Hello, and welcome to the Immersive Wire. Now we have Aaron Rowlby. Now, he's really interesting because in one of the first immersive events I actually attended, it was for Linguisticator, the company that Aaron Rowlby runs. And I was fascinated by the idea of uh, memory palaces and being able to memorize lots of different bits and pieces when necessary. So... Yeah, I felt it was really necessary to drill down and talk to him about why it worked, the science behind what he has been doing the last few years that I've known him. And yeah, it was just a quite a nice catch-up. So without further ado, let's get down to it. This episode is sponsored by Make Real. Blending learning theory, gaming interaction design, and technical excellence, Make Real creates immersive learning experiences based upon measured, validated outcomes. From virtual reality to web and mobile serious games, Make Real Limited works with large global enterprise customers across a range of sectors, including AEC, automotive, and finance. If you would like to learn more, make sure to visit makereal.co.uk. Thank you for sponsoring. Hello, and welcome to the Immersive Wire podcast. My name is Thomas Fisk, and I have a new guest for you today, which I'll leave to introduce himself. My name is Aaron Ralby. I am the director of Linguisticator, and we have a software called Monks VR for building memory palaces in virtual reality. Yeah, so I know about these guys for a long time now because it was one of the first VR events I went to. Uh, I believe it was back in 2015 or 16, where 16. it was, yes, it was 16. And it was uh, basically a rundown of the way your service works. I remember it was lots of basic shapes and castles and the like, and it's to help someone memorize a pattern. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think this is a good segue into what you guys actually do. So what is a memory palace? Yeah, so a memory palace is a technique uh, that was developed in the ancient world and used extensively throughout uh, uh, ancient and medieval times for learning and composing large amounts of information. So a memory palace is kind of like a, a mental library. It's a way of using space and images to remember symbolic information like text and number. So these people were really good at remembering places we've been and things we've done and experienced, but we're not so good at remembering text or number. And most of our education though is done through text and number. So a, a memory palace is a way of kind of taking information, abstract information, making it concrete by uh, associating that information with images and then organizing those images in a space. The technique uh, as it was used in, in the Middle Ages was very advanced, but uh, it was used by monks and scholars and people who had a lot of time to uh, train in this technique and to practice it. And so explaining it to people today for anything more complicated than a shopping list can be really difficult because it requires a lot of uh, input from the imagination. So our software allows people to see memory palaces built in 3D and understand what they are, how they work, and actually use them for specific subjects without having to go through years of, of training and using the imagination to, to hold you know, thousands of pieces of information in imagined spaces. Thank you. Um, so I guess my next question is, how, how did you fall into doing that? Because if when I was like, if I was like a little boy thinking about what I want to do, the first thing that doesn't come to mind is uh, making memory palaces in virtual reality. <laughs> my, my neither. Um, uh, so 
I did my PhD in medieval studies and focused on Germanic philology and um, was very interested in methods of composition during the Middle Ages and the oral tradition. And so this is kind of how I got into memory and, and looking at some of the texts composed during the Middle Ages, I was fascinated by how uh, complex they were. And, um, and I asked one of my supervisors, how is it possible to, to compose something this intricate without writing anything down? And so he, uh, he said, well, you got to read the Book of Memory by Mary Crothers. And that's where I really started to, to understand that this was a trained technique. Um, it was something that was actively taught. And uh, that's how I became fascinated in this. And, and at first, I thought it was something that I wouldn't be able to do myself. But then as I tried it and practiced it and then realized, oh, wow, this is actually really powerful. It wasn't until many years later, as I tried to apply these techniques to language learning, which was, which was the thing I was most interested in, um, that I realized I needed some way to actually show these memory palaces to other people. And that's kind of what led me on the path to creating this software. Wow. Um, it does feel like a lot of people kind of fall into this industry then, doesn't it? You're yes. Not the, you're not the only person where this has happened. Um, and now you've been working this for a long time now. We're talking like, what, five, six years? Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, I've been working on, on memory palaces in, in, uh, for, for languages in, even longer than that. Um, but it was about, yeah, five, six years ago that I was really starting to look at virtual reality as a, uh, as a possibility. Um, so at first, I was just teaching um, this technique using the imagination and but then you know when you when you try to apply it to something like an entire language you have thousands of of grammatical pieces thousands of vocabulary pieces and they're not just in simple structures you you need to understand in the spatial structure how um things are interrelated and interconnected and so you need to use space in in creative ways so that you can access the information quickly and easily and in a way that makes it practical that was really, really difficult to share with other people, even after, after I had succeeded in doing that for myself. So I started to use architectural software to create demonstrations of the things that were in my head, because what I found was that explaining this concept to people was really challenging. I would, it would be really clear and simple in my own mind, but I could see people's faces just glaze over after, I was trying, after 10 seconds of trying to explain what one of these memory palaces looked like when I could actually show it using a software solution, people went, oh, okay, yeah, I can see how, how that works. Because the spaces don't necessarily look like anything that you would have seen in real life. Yeah. And I guess it's a really nice example of if you're trying to explain something to someone else, one of the first things you need to do is have an applicable real life example and becomes way easier for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as a, as a technique, one of the things that, that you see is that people often demonstrate the technique with really simple information. So a shopping list or, or something like that, or a list of numbers. And that you can, you can sort of show the concept of how using images in space works as opposed to using just symbols on a page. But there's a big leap from doing that to say, learning the entire verbal system of you know, French or German. Um, what those spaces would look like is is entirely different. Yeah, interesting. And it's not really even blocked by language either, because it's all just sequences, as it were. Yeah, exactly. So um, 
you can, we have, so what we're doing now is we're actually building out memory palaces for, for different subjects and publishing them into a store within our, our, our software platform. So uh, this includes memory palaces for languages, but also for other things like anatomy or um, things like learning numbers or history. And uh, sequences, just, just to, be, to be clear, sequences are important, but a lot of information, a lot of subjects aren't sequential and, um, and you don't use sequentially. So you have to use different types of spatial structures for different structures of information. Uh, do you have a, like an example of one which you created recently or helped someone create? I, I have several. Do you want one for language or for another subject? Um, just one which comes to mind, like your personal favorite. Oh, personal favorite? I have several. It's hard to pick a personal favorite. But one of the ones that I'm, I'm really proud of is um, uh, because it went through several iterations is one for French verbs. Um, because... The, the, the first thing that we, we did was we, we created a, a map and we actually have fabric maps of uh, language grammars. And so we have a map of French grammar and it's, it's, it's huge. Um, it's like, uh, you know, over a meter long, you know, sort of, it's, a, it's a, like a big, big poster. And it has all of the grammatical system of, of French uh, on this, this map. And the verbal system takes up a, a huge portion of, of this map. So there are about a thousand forms in the regular and auxiliary verbal system uh, that you need to know if you're going to use French uh, in any kind of, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, appreciable way. Um, so um, this is then represented in space, though, in a way that looks very, very simple and, and straightforward. And uh, so in the memory palace, uh, you can, we separate out the, the sort of stems from the endings and it's really the endings that you want to, to learn. And, um, and so these are actually more or less the same across different patterns of verbs in French. And it's really the differences between conjugations that you're trying to learn. And so that's what's really, really interesting is that you can easily see that in space. And um, back in the autumn, I tested out this, this memory palace uh, with a couple of students and they were able to, in, in five hours, learn all of the endings in the regular and auxiliary verbal system. Uh, that includes, um, you know, the verbs that take être as an auxiliary, that includes the reflexive and the passive, that includes like sort of the, the, the whole regular and, and auxiliary verbal system in, in five hours. And testing them a week later, they had, um, you know, some things had slipped out, but they had probably 80 to 90% retention on on those forms that's so that's really that's impressive. one that that, uh, that i'm very excited about yeah no yeah for sure as someone who's failed to learn italian for years this is exactly what i need to do because my crutch for learning the language has always been um the grammar uh the word mm. endings and the connections and the like um this is me being super selfish but is there a way to find these um courses online yes so we have uh we have online courses uh they're video-based courses through our website linguisticator.com and then the memory palaces themselves were, were publishing one by one through uh, the software which is available on steam it's called monks vr you can download it for free some of the memory palaces are free some are paid for uh, on the italian front we're actually working on on finishing up a new 
course combination that that's fully integrated with memory palace so it's a uh, I call it a 10 by 10 course and so it's designed for busy professionals who are looking to get started in a language oh, and so it's perfect it's sort of 10 items a day every day for 10 weeks and it'll take you up to a you know a, a reasonable level of of uh of basic heading into intermediate uh, proficiency um and uh every item is then presented in a memory palace so you can see the whole space and it gets filled up throughout the course when will it come out because i'm very very keen to try it out <laughs> um when it does it's really hard to <laughs> hard to say how long how, how much longer it's going to to take so mm. uh the um there are three separate memory palaces for that the first one has been uh the design of that has been built and, and finished the other two need to be customized the scripts for it have been written, but they need to be proofed. And then it all has to be recorded and put together. So it's still a good bit of work to, to, to do, but I'd say maybe three quarters of it is, is, is done. So are we talking like will it release in 2020? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the, the hope is that it'll be finished in the next few months. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's me selfishly trying to find out over, um, <laughs> apart from that, uh, you must have users who also like made some which you were impressed by. Um, has that happened as well? Um, so we haven't, I haven't seen many of the memory palaces you, uh, created by users. Uh, one of the things I've been doing over the last several weeks for people during quarantine and during the pandemic is, is having weekly workshops that are you know, sort of free and open to everybody. And um, uh, people have come with with topics that they're working on and, and things that uh, that they're doing, which is which is cool to see. So, you know, some are um, doctors working on showing the uh, the um, infections of the respiratory system, or someone working in in sort of uh, health facts and and healthcare for for children. Um, there are a lot of people interested in, I did a workshop a few weeks ago on, on building memory palaces for uh, the Bible. And so uh, one person is, is working on, um, helped him work on, uh, on a, how to structure a memory palace for learning his, his, uh, his hymnal. Um, so there are people working on, on different things, but uh, stuff that people have actually done within the software, I haven't seen a whole lot of. Uh, we're, we're planning on releasing a, uh, a new mode to the software called the instructor mode, which would allow people to actually uh, publish memory palaces that they've created into our store. But it's, you know, we're a small team, so we've got to kind of take it one step at a time. Okay. Um, why did you create the instructor-led one? Was it because you saw a segment? So, um, so from the beginning, I knew from my experience in building memory palaces in my imagination and you know, working with people to try and teach them the technique that uh, very few people were going to be um, building their memory palaces from scratch. That's, that's something that's going to be of interest to kind of niche audience. Um, but a lot of people would like to use this technique. Uh, the, the thing is that when you build a memory palace from the ground up, you have to build all of the spaces you have to build the walls and the floors and add in trees and and figure out how the space is going to look 
And then you also have to put in the locations for all the information that you need. So it can take quite a while just to build the space itself. And there are yeah, ways of, I can imagine you know, that being like a massive time filler because you're trying to work out how to do that sequence. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, why don't you just use, you know, like randomly generated spaces and all this kind of stuff. And there are certain things that we could do to, to increase that speed. But one thing that's really, really important about using memory palaces in virtual reality, especially as opposed to the, the traditional way using imagination, uh, traditionally, you would pick a place that you knew and then put your subject into that place. Um, when you're using virtual reality, you can build the space to match the subject rather than trying to fit the subject into a space. So taking that French verbs example, I know that I have two key auxiliary verbs, I have three regular conjugations, I have three modal verbs and the verb aller, which is to go and can be used for, to form the, the paraphrastic future. So I can create, instead of trying to fit these into a real place, I can create a space where I have rooms of exactly the right size and shape for each of these elements. And then I don't have things that I, I don't have spaces set up that I don't need. And I have each space set up to be exactly what I do need. And so there's, there's something uh, about building in virtual reality where you can really make the space represent the structure of the subject. And so just using randomly generated spaces doesn't convey that. And that's one of the real, real benefits of, of using this software. So I knew, I knew people would want to use it, but I knew very few people would want to, to put in that time and effort to, to building these spaces. So the instructor mode was designed so that one, we could pre-build memory palaces and have everything in the right place so that all a user would have to do is go through and explore it and add in his or her own image associations in, in the right places. Um, and we wanted to then make this available to other people who uh, wanted to use this technique to teach their own subjects, um, you know, because we're focused mostly on language. Mm. I mean, it's a big market, people wanting to learn a language. They, I know so many people who download Duolingo and completely fail when it comes to learning. And well, I, I think, I think um, you know, a lot of people uh, approach every resource with the same or similar mentality that I'm just going to do this one resource rather than looking at, you know, horses for courses. Duolingo is, is really, uh, in, in my view, it's an app that's a, that's a supplement. It's not a bread and butter kind of app. It's not going to teach you the language. It can be useful for drilling patterns and drilling things that you've already kind of learned elsewhere, but you're not really going to, you're not going to learn it in a comprehensive sense. It's, it's no. more of a, a supplemental exercise than a, you know, a staple. Yeah, for sure. Um, beyond that though, do you have like, apart from the instructor thing, do you have any plans in the future, you and your company? Uh, loads. Uh, so there's a lot of things that we want to do. Um, we've been sort of working with a school in Cambridge to try and try out uh, these memory palaces in the classroom. Ooh, um, what age are we talking with the pupils? Um, in this case, sort of 13, 14. Um, and, um, you know, we, we've used this with, with kids. We've used it with adults. Uh, one of the things that in terms of the development of the software is we're, we're trying to improve the desktop version. So it was built for virtual reality, but you know, if you're going to use it widely, um, it needs to work as a, as a desktop application as well so that you can show it on a screen and, and, uh, you know, use it in a classroom or people can use it on just a, a regular computer. Um, 
so there are a lot of improvements to the to the desktop version and to the software as a whole that that we want to add we want to make um you know make it easier to to find and add mnemonic images from from different libraries um whether they're 2d images or 3d models uh, so there's a lot of things that we want to do to to improve the user interface and the usability of the software, both in virtual reality and as a, as a desktop application. Nice. Um, I'm looking forward and to And I just desktop. need to spend, uh, sorry, I just need to spend a, a ton of time, which is one of the things I'm doing during, during quarantine now is just building lots and lots of memory palaces, which is, which is good. Well, it's a good time as any. Um, yeah. I'm using the time to build my website, so I guess we're on the same nice. boat. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a big flow of activity. Are you currently isolating with your family? And has your family been supportive? Um, I am with my girlfriend. Uh, we live together in, in Cambridge, but uh, the rest of my family is in the US. Uh, they've been extremely supportive. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just super, super supportive nice. and they love, um, love out of interest, Out of interest in Cambridge, where are you recording this? Is this your bedroom? Is this your office? Um, I, I work from home, so I have a kind of home office and um, I'm sort of set up for recording here as well. So oh, I, do, I, I put out, you know, videos on, I make uh, course videos for our online courses and then also videos for YouTube and demonstrations of the software. And that's one thing that I'm working on as well is creating a lot more sort of demos and tutorials and that kind of thing. Out of interest, what's the first thing you'll do since as lockdown is over? Um, when it's technically over or when I feel like it's safe to go somewhere, <laughs> let's go with the latter. Okay. Um, well, I'd like to, to, uh, to go visit my family. They were supposed to come here, um, end of April and we were supposed to go on holiday. I was also, I, am an American citizen, uh, originally, but, uh, my, uh, I've been approved for British citizenship and I was uh, supposed to have my swearing in ceremony uh in in april as well but that's been delayed indefinitely so see family take care of these things uh you know that kind of thing nothing nothing too exciting no but, but to seeing, me it's, but to seeing me, your family it's very exciting no of course because seeing your family after so long is a huge deal especially during this crisis um yeah but but we'll, but we'll see um i also to to listeners uh this has been recorded on the 7th of may um, so by the time you hear this, uh, a, a lot of what we say might be out of date. But it should be noted that this is drastically impacting the way we are working and collaborating, which is why it's noteworthy. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Out of interest, uh, when you go to uh, conferences and events and try to explain your Linguisticator um, application, what kind of reactions do you get? Well, I, I, I try and bring things that actually uh, allow me to show uh, what I'm talking about because just, you know, doing it orally can be, can be difficult. So I bring some of our like fabric maps and I also have, you know, videos or images of, of memory palaces. I usually get a lot of excitement. Um, so when I pull out, uh, even just the, the fabric map and people go, Whoa, you know, when they can see for the first time, the entire grammar of a language represented in one place. And, um, that is a kind of shock. And then that's followed by the dismay of realizing how much there is to learn in order to, you know, because one of the things that uh, just as a, as a kind of side note before I finish answering that question, you know, there's a lot of tools out there, a lot of people, a lot of sort of uh, things talking about how easy it is to learn a language and how quickly you can do it. 
And a lot of these are aimed at very rudimentary conversational practice. And um, that's cool and that's great if that's what you want to do. But a lot of people are kind of duped by this into thinking that you can learn a language really, really quickly if you know how to do it in, you know, and it doesn't take any work. That's not true. No, there is, but that, that's the same with any skill as well. Yes, exactly. And if you actually just look at how much content you have to know and have to have right at the tip of your tongue in order to be able to be fluent in a language. And then you think about the amount of time it would take just to be exposed to all of that content. You realize, okay, this isn't really possible in a few weeks. Um, and so one of the things that I'm really interested in is answering that question of, okay, if I wanted to speak at, at, a, at a really high level, what is everything I need to know? And then how do I uh, store that in my memory so that I can access it and produce it easily and, and fluidly? So when people see the maps, they, there's that initial awe and then dismay at realizing, wow, that's a lot to learn. But then when they see the memory palaces and understand how, how that works, there's a lot of excitement because they realize, wow, you, know, you can see on the map and in, in space and you realize this space represents this on the map. I can already see and understand and remember the space. It wouldn't actually take me, it, it, it's still a lot of work. Mm. but it's a manageable amount of work. And with the retention that the memory palace gives you, you can build on what you've done before. And so it, it sort of makes, uh, instead of the way, the way I describe it is it, instead of trying to water the process down to make it more accessible, you create a way for people to, to handle the complexity and the volume that is necessary for, for reaching a higher level. Yeah, very true. I, I mean, I, I know from personal experience, it's also just so many things in the brain and so many different ways of um, going forwards. But yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's, you know, if I were to, to boil down like what, why, why use a memory palace and why use this software is that it's a recall mechanism. You know, so if you, you know, when you study anything in school or anywhere, you study it, you go, you learn to understand it and you go, okay, I got it. And you move on. And then a few weeks later, you say, what was that? And if you look at it again, it's familiar. You go, oh, right. But that ability to recall it and produce it actively isn't there. And that's what the memory palace does, is that it gives this, this sort of stepping stone in between that you can think back to the space, because we're very good at spatial memory and experiential memory. And that allows you to then step back you know, on the stepping stone to, to what you were studying three weeks ago and actively recall it. And that's really where, where it makes the difference is it's a, it's a tool for, for organization of information and then yeah. recall. God, I'm looking forward to uh, using it. Uh, we're reaching the end of recording. Um, what I wanted to ask you is where do you see yourself in a few years time personally? Um, it's a good question. Just, enjoying my work, happy, building more memory palaces, having built <laughs> many more. Um, I'm, yeah, just, I'm really enjoying just building memory palaces for languages that I'm learning as well as languages that I learned in the past that I'm now understanding in a new way because I'm representing them in space. So just, just continuing to, to work and evolve and, uh, and also interested by, by that point to see um, other people creating memory palaces on our platform and, and publishing them. I think that's going to be really fun. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Aaron. 
Uh, I hope you enjoyed me. today. If you're interested in listening to more from the Immersive Wire, you may subscribe at virtualperceptions.com. Aaron, may, where may they find you? So uh, our website is linguisticator.com. Uh, information is there on our online courses as well as the software. But the software, again, is available on Steam. And just search for Monks VR, M-U-N-X VR, and you can download the software there. Thank you. Uh, to everyone else, I hope you have an excellent day. Take care.